and welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. I am Dave Gasper, joined as always by Matt Carroll. We are the editors at ReviewingTheBrew.com. If you're a regular listener, you already know this, uh, which is why probably you're here, if not for our uh, charm and sense of humor, uh, and of course, our analysis of everything brewers. And Matt, there's a lot going on this week that we got to talk about. It's it's Thanksgiving week. It's it's uh, you know we're posting this here Ooh. on on Thanksgiving. Um, so if you're avoiding time with your families right now, I totally get it. We'll have a, a fun, action-packed hour uh, to distract you from your family, uh, but be sure to be ready to get back for the slice of pumpkin pie, mm. because I know that that is what I look forward to most on Thanksgiving. I look forward to all of it. I am going to stuff my face <laughs> with every dang thing that's on that table, probably twice, um, and yep. then go into a nice little food coma. So that uh, should should be a good day. Yeah, nice little food coma watching the uh, Vikings on Thursday Night oh, Football. Yeah. Um, yeah, because you know who else is going to be asleep at the wheel? It's probably the Vikings offense. Hey, uh, anyways. <laughs> Dude, I was watching the, the game on Sunday, and the CBS cut away from Cowboys-Vikings <laughs> because it was such a blowout. They cut away to Bengals-Steelers. That's how bad it was. Oh, it was amazing. Uh, but anyways, this is not a football yes. podcast. This no, is no. a Brewers baseball podcast. And, well, the Brewers have given us a lot to talk about. You know, last time when we talked, we did not have the non-tender decisions yet. There was some big news there. Brent Suter out the door in Milwaukee. We'll get to more on that later on here in the Cold Brew podcast, along with three other relievers. Um, but the big news came down Tuesday night. Matt, you know what I'm referring to. Everyone knows what I'm referring to. The Hunter Renfro trade. We knew this was coming, sort of. You know, I'm I'm not surprised by it. I don't think anyone was too surprised by it. Hunter Renfro was not surprised by it. Uh, His fifth team in five years, uh, one season in Milwaukee. Hunter Renfro was the Brewers' best qualified hitter in 2022. Had a 126 OPS+. And for a team that desperately needs more offense, they traded away their best qualified hitter in exchange for three pitchers. Jansen Junk, a righty. Elvis Paguero, a righty. And Adam Seminaris, a lefty. So you get three young pitchers all about in their mid-20s. Less than 50 innings of combined MLB experience among them. And Matt, I can't help but feel, and I feel like Brewers fans uh, across the board can't help but feel a little underwhelmed uh, by the re- by the return and the fact that Renfro was traded to begin with. Yeah, that'd be probably how you describe it. Um, certainly not overwhelmed, nor nor whelmed. No, no one was whelmed by this trade. No one either. was whelmed. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those where. You've got to have the right team that wants to acquire Hunter Renfro, obviously. You've got to have a team that's, you know, willing to part with something that the Brewers need. Um, So, I mean, trades just don't happen like, you know, Hunter Renfro for, uh, do they still have Iglesias, Rizal Iglesias? Like, they don't do like a straight up trade like that anymore. I'm not saying those are on par. I'm just trying to think of a good non Trout Otani player that the Brewers could use to be honest. I would have liked Otani. You know, I, I well, feel like that that would have well, been uh, more than fair from the Brewers' perspective. Yeah, um, but like it's not. That's why trades like that can be underwhelming because it's not. It's not like a like a football trade. It's not like a basketball trade where it's you know contributor for contributor, like guys that are going to you know uh, provide some sort of positive Im- impact right away. Not saying none of these Angels pitchers will. I'm just saying it's not. You don't you don't get guys, you know, swapping places who are of the same, you know, years of service and same talent level and things like that. Like, that's just not how MLB trades most often go down. Um, so that's why a trade like this can be underwhelming, especially with the fact that he was one of your best offensive contributors, if not the best offensive contributor last year. And combined with the fact that, you know, people had concerned about 
concerns about the Brewers' offense last season. If you're going to remove a part of it, you want to see it replaced with something. And that might not happen until farther down the line in the offseason. So that's why a trade like that can end up being frustrating. But fact of the matter is, we'd mentioned on this podcast, we'd mentioned on the site that Hunter Renfro was a very obvious trade candidate based off of the depth that the Brewers have and the opportunities they want to give to some of the young guys. We're not the only ones who talked about or wrote about it. It was out there on plenty of sites. So, like, the fact that he was traded in and of itself, not surprising. It's just that what came back, yeah, it's not like it was a, like, number two prospect in the system. That's also not what you're going to get for Hunter Renfro. Like, he no. was a good offensive producer, but it's not like he was perfect. It's not like he was an MVP either. So, no. yeah, like, I, I get, I definitely get the sentiment, um, but it, it's, unfortunately, it's early in the offseason. There's got to be a little bit of a wait and see with it. Yeah, and I mean, Renfro's an above-average MLB regular. Um, that's essentially what he is at this point. And, you know, I mean, that, that, that's a good player. It's an important player to have on a team. Uh, he's not someone you build your offense around. He's someone who probably shouldn't be your best offensive uh, contributor. Uh, but he was for the Brewers this year. Um, and the ceiling for his market was set. Uh, you know, we saw yeah. a couple of weeks ago with the Teoscar Hernandez trade. Uh, from Baltimore to Seattle, or not Baltimore, the Blue Jays uh, to Seattle. Um, Teoscar Hernandez was an all-star. Uh, he, he's Teoscar Hernandez is a better player than Renfro. You know, not not by a wide margin, but still a better player. And and he did get an all-star nod this year. Um, and he got a solid, uh, you know, really good relief arm in Eric Swanson. And a solid pitching prospect in Adam Mako. And, you know, they, they got them from a very strong Seattle farm system uh, and Seattle development system. Whereas the Brewers were trading with the Angels, who have one of the worst farm systems in baseball and are one of, if not the worst, at pitching development. Um, so they got three guys. They got more guys in terms of quantity, uh, but the quality of the guys is lower. Uh, you know, Jansen Junk could be a back-end starter. I mean, he is pretty much literally a junk ball thrower. He tops out at nine. He averages 92 miles an hour on his fastball, uh, has an average slider, average curveball, you know, just kind of throws some junk up there and, and mixes it. And, and, you know, it can work for him. Um, but that's what you're getting there. He's going to compete for a rotation spot per Matt Arnold. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think he's going to win one uh, just because, you know, when you got that starting five completely healthy, Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, Eric Lauer, Aaron Ashby. I don't see Junk cracking that group. I, I don't see him peeling off Ashby or or Lauer uh, from that rotation. Uh, so you got a six starter. I, I think he's an improvement over Jason Alexander. Um, yeah. I, I think Elvis Paguero is Probably a replacement for John L. Gustave or Luis Perdomo. Um, you know, he he's not a Devin Williams type, you know, high leverage option. I mean, he was in low leverage for the Angels last year and didn't pitch that well in those opportunities. Um, 9.61 career ERA. Granted, it's less than 20 innings of experience, but still. Um, and then Adam Seminaris, his profile is pretty much exactly Brent Suter. Uh, pitchability lefty works fast, funky, deceptive delivery, uh, doesn't throw very hard, uh, but commands the ball well. And, you know, I, I haven't seen a scouting report on his Jim Carrey impression, but he better start working on that. Uh, if he is going to win over the hearts and minds of Brewers fans like Brent Suter did. Yeah. I don't think anyone wins over the hearts and minds. <laughs> like Brent it's going to take, like it's going to take a while. Uh, that that's for sure. Exactly. exactly. Um, yeah, and those guys are all coming at positions of need for the Brewers. Um, you know, we talked about how the Brewers could use some starting pitching depth this offseason, something they could stand to address because last season, as they went through a ton of injuries to the starting rotation, once you got past those front six, it, there was nothing. I mean, Ethan Small came up and, you know, he didn't, 
perform the way that fans would have liked to see him perform. Jason Alexander was Jason Alexander. Uh, Chichi Gonzalez was Chichi Gonzalez. Uh, don't like now. Yeah, exactly. Now I'm even like, more yeah. upset. You brought up Chichi Gonzalez. Yeah, I. This is this is the reality that we had to live with in 2022. So this goes to show why you uh you know make a trade that brings back a guy who can compete, even if he doesn't take one of those spots. He then goes to AAA or something like that, and he's there to call on. And you hopefully feel more comfortable giving him a spot start over a guy like a Jason Alexander in 2023. So. You know, that was something they needed to address. And bullpen was something that they needed to address. And we'll go over some of the non-tender moves. Um, but that, among uh, combined with some of the other moves they've made, shows that they understand that. They are making moves. They're getting rid of guys and bringing in guys um, to try and make that bullpen better for 2023 and have a lot better chance of bridging the gap to Devin Williams there at closer. I don't know who yes. necessarily the setup guy is going to be or, you know, exactly where your seventh and your eighth or whatever are going to be, but all of it needed to improve over last year. It it didn't end up yeah, but, doing it. Yeah, but, I mean, they're making some marginal improvements here uh, when it comes yeah. to, to the bullpen and the pitching staff. And, like, you know, is that worth Hunter Renfro, um, you know, the, the marginal improvements that you're making? I think that's, that's the question a lot of people are, are trying to grapple with. It's like, okay, you know, like, like these guys are – you know, their improvements over Alexander's, it's an improvement over Perdomo's. It's, you know, like things like that. You get you get some extra depth for for the bullpen because um, all these guys are either big league ready or close to big league ready. Um, they all have options remaining. A seminarist isn't even on the 40 man roster yet. Um, so you get depth there. You get cheap depth. Um, and ideally, you're getting some marginal improvements uh, to the pitching staff. Is that worth Hunter Renfro in the minds of, of Brewers fans? And really just kind of on the field in general. Hunter Renfro was a 26% better than league average hitter, 126 OPS plus. Um, he is a solid above average MLB regular that you can count on to hit about 255 to 260 that can hit 30 home runs in a season. Um, he produces... He has a strong throwing arm. You're not getting too much with the glove, but he makes up for it with the arm. Uh, you know what you're getting with, with him, and it's a productive player. And, you know, even for, for one season at, at $11 million, I mean, he's not that, – that's not an exorbitant amount. Um, again, I understand the reasons why they traded him, um, j- just with payroll and, and, and the young guys that they have. But – you know, I, I'd like to see something a little bit more concrete in, in this return, something that's a bit more of a sure thing. None of these guys are, are a sure thing. Um, you know, Jansen Junk, could he be a starter? Maybe. Um, there, there's also a very strong chance he's just kind of a middle reliever. Same thing with Paguero. I mean, he could – could he be one day maybe uh, an eighth-inning high-leverage guy? Sure. But – is he more likely a, a middle, low-leverage relief arm? Probably. Adam Seminaris, you know, pitchability lefty, there, there's only so much upside there. You know, I, I would have liked at least one of these guys to have a shot, at, at least a shot, at some higher upside. Either something a bit more concrete with, with a higher floor that, that's already there that they've already reached, or someone with a higher upside that they could at least dream on and, and work on with their development staff to get to uh, a higher level. That's what I would have liked. Sure. Yeah. And I, I mean, I guess I would have liked that too. Um, what, one of the big things though, too, is um, with Hunter Renfro, you were getting one year of all of mm-hmm. that with these three guys, you're 24, 25 and 26 years old. There's a whole lot of time left ahead of them to where they can now be contributors, and you've now got the Brewers pitching development staff getting a hold of them. Um, so if these are guys who are major league ready, um, they get a little bit of tweaks from some of the Brewers guys, and who knows you know, what they could end up being because they're right within that perfect developmental period in mm-hmm. their careers. So this is, as we know, you know, it's I, I hate to say the spikes of the apple thing, but um, th- this Drink. has as much of an effect on the future as it does for now. Um, and the problem too, with, I, I guess, getting that guy that's a little bit more concrete, more major league ready or whatever is like, 
is Renfro enough then for a guy like that? Like it's that's where it gets tricky, obviously, in these trades. But also why it feels underwhelming it goes all the way back to what you said at the beginning. Like that's why a trade like this just doesn't feel, um, you know, that exciting. Um, I also want to say I, I'd seen some references to the Adam Lynn trade with this. That mm-hmm. Lynn had a good season with the Brewers. The Brewers end up shipping him off uh, right before his final year. They get three kind of flyers um, in pitchers in return. One of them ends up being Freddie Peralta. Fantastic. The big difference between those two trades. So there's, are they similar at face value? Sure. The difference is that first trade was made in 2015 when the Brewers were not competing and they could afford to do something Mm -hmm. like that and start building towards the future. That's where I, this is where now I get where some of the unease comes from is like, do you have time to develop these guys? Like you, you want them to be able to contribute right now because uh, the Brewers are in that contention window. They've still got the mm-hmm. starting pitching core. They've still got Yelly and Adamas and Telez and Colton Wong for another year. And, you know, all these guys, the new outfielders coming up, like, you're not expecting to just be a middle of the road team. Like you're expecting to compete for a playoff spot again, uh, unless other moves that happen in the off season say otherwise. Um, but that's, that's, I guess that's another reason why I, I can definitely understand the uh, unease that comes out about the trade uh, for those reasons. So, yeah, yeah. like I get it. I, I'm not going to disagree with anyone for not feeling great about this trade. I'm not saying, certainly not saying that I'm, you know, cheerleading it from the rooftops uh, at all. But, yeah, it's I, I can see some reasoning behind it. But, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not going to argue with anyone's feelings on it. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a trade that, you know, it's not going to excite anybody no. um, for for making it. And, um, yeah, you were talking about the, the pitching lab, you know, and getting their hands on these guys. I mean, the, the Brewers are really testing the strengths of, of their pitching lab. <laughs> yes. Um, because, I mean, they're getting guys who weren't – I mean, you get Jansen Junk, who's a 16th-ranked prospect, in a terrible – Angels farm system. Peguero and Seminaris weren't even ranked in the top 30 in a terrible Angels farm. They couldn't even make the top 30 in a terrible farm system. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you're really kind of testing the strengths and the ability uh, of your pitching lab. You know, they've been able to take some guys and make some tweaks and, and make them better. You know, I'm, I'm not sure there, there's too much upside here for them to, to try to get. Uh, just with the profiles that, that some of these guys have. I mean, maybe if you you add a pitch here, or, or you make you know, you make Junk's changeup a, a much better offering. You completely change his his changeup, and all of a sudden now he's got a a legit four pitch mix instead of a, a three pitch mix with a changeup he throws like three percent of the time. Um, you know, maybe you could make some changes there, but you know, overall you're not that pitching lab is probably not turning Jansen junk into an ACE. Um, no, no matter what they do, uh, Elvis Paguero is probably not going to end up becoming a closer, no matter what the pitching lab does. Uh, Adam Seminaris is not going to turn into a, he, he's probably not even going to turn into Eric Lauer, uh, even with the pitching lab doing, doing what it does. It, it's just so hard to see it there. Um, unless they make some, some major changes, which doesn't seem to be the, what the brewers do. With these guys, so I mean they're really kind of testing the strengths, and they're they're probably gonna be able to turn these guys into some serviceable mm-hmm. options, um, but probably not too much more than that. Um, but I mean it's it's one season of Hunter Renfro. We saw what the ceiling for his market was, and they probably weren't going to get much better right. of a trade elsewhere, um, which is why. You know, I, I wrote up a, a letter grade uh, for the trade over at reviewingthebrew.com, um, which you should definitely go check out. Uh, I gave it a C plus uh, for for a variety of the reasons that uh, I just explained. Matt, when, when Matt, what would you give as a letter grade for this trade? I think right around the same C plus, yeah. B minus, C. Like, so it, it, I could talk myself maybe into that whole range. Um, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't go any higher than a B minus for sure. Um, C would probably be the lowest I'd go. Um, you, you know, I'm sure there's 
there's some numbers that we probably could still dig into. There's some, you know, analytics we could probably still dig into to figure out like maybe where a few of these guys project, um, maybe where like Hunter Renfro realistically projects. Would he have the same season next year? Would he start to regress a little bit? Would he have a season that looked like some of his previous, like he's had some poor seasons in the past. Like, I don't know, like we, we could probably go deeper and kind of like fine tune that, but like I, I'd, I'd probably be right around in the same range as you had it um, for the for for all the reasons we talked about and all the reasons you had in there. Like it's yeah, it's not a sexy trade by any means. Um, it adds depth to areas where they need a depth, um, but there's no guarantee that any of these guys will go on and be, you know, that setup guy to Devin Williams or a third uh, man in the starting rotation or anything like that. We're just going to have to see what happens. Um, and if it turns out that way, then great. Then maybe that that's the nature of trades. Maybe we get to look back on this in a couple of years and be like, Hey, that one really worked out for us. I mean, we, we yeah. how many different directions have we gone with the uh, Eric Lauer and Luis Arias trade yeah. uh, over the years in terms of thinking it was a bust to the, uh, oh, that ended up being the greatest decision in the world. Like, we, we, I feel like we've zigged and zagged all over the place with that one. So who knows? Maybe the same thing happens with this, too. Yeah. And I mean, the Adam Lynn trade on its face, you know, how much how many people were like, oh, that's an A plus right there uh, with, with the Adam Lynn trade, you know, with the three teenage pitchers. You know, now it's obviously an A plus because of what Freddie Peralta's turned into. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it could happen. You know, we'll, we'll have to see and we'll have to revisit that grade after we see Junk and Paguero and Seminaris uh, at the big league level in Milwaukee and what kind of improvements, if any, uh, they make. But, you know, many are upset about the, the Renfro trade because it appeared as a salary dump. He was making projected to make north of $11 million uh, this year. And... You know, you got some outfield prospects coming up. Go to the young guys that are, that are cheaper, uh, save the money, um, and, and trade him. And you know, that was sort of Matt Arnold's like, no, this is this wasn't a salary dump. Which I don't even, I don't even know if he believed that. But <laughs> anyways, uh, Buster Olney then comes out the next morning on, on Wednesday morning here and reports the Renfro trade was indeed a salary dump, and everyone expects Colton Wong to be next. Colton Wong, they picked up his option. Most people were surprised by it. Matt Arnold was surprised that we were surprised by it. Um, again, he is he is zagging while everyone else is zigging. I mean, that is, uh, you know, just he <laughs> like just everyone expects one thing. And he does like the just says like the complete opposite of what everyone like figures to be going on. But anyways, uh, Colton Wong is reportedly next to go out the door. They picked up his option and he's going to be making $10 million next season. And the Brewers have already made replacement in Bryce Terang. So why would they pay him $10 million when they can pay Terang 700 k It just, it, it seems to make sense that the Brewers are looking to shed payroll, uh, apparently. And Wong could be out the door. Uh, Matt, do you think... Well, do, do you think Colton Wong is gone? Do, do you think he's going to be out the door? Do, is is he starting opening day in Milwaukee? Well, it's funny because I, the more we've talked about it, the more I've talked myself into the fact that he is because it actually does seem like a good idea to ha- uh, have him stick around. He had uh, one of the best offensive seasons of his career, actually. Once they it seems like on. a good idea to have Hunter Renfro stick around, too. It, that's true. That's true. It did. Um but you you have less of a sure thing in depth behind him and Bryce Terang. Um, like you you kind of brought up uh, first the fact that um, like although he can play second, it's not his natural position. So do you feel comfortable throwing him right into the fire like that, especially with the shift going away and his desire to have a more natural second baseman in place for all of that? which you would have with Colton Wong, the more we kind of talk about it in that sense, uh, it makes me think that it makes a lot of sense to keep Colton Wong around. Um, not that I don't think Bryce Terang could do it. He's an extremely smart defender. Um, he seems to pick up on all these positions very quickly. 
Um, so do I think he could play second if they threw him in there? Yes, of course. Um, and it would be less painful than, for example, Keston Hira trying to learn first base and letting his <laughs> offense kind of uh, dive down a little bit when that happened. Um, but I just think it makes a lot of sense for Wong to still stay. You do have to invest in someone when it comes to uh, money on offense. And so that's one area where, you know, it does make some sense. Um, yeah, I, I, I think he does stay like I get it. Um, I haven't seen, I've seen a couple other people besides only kind of say that the Brewers might think about it. Um, but it's not like it's as overwhelming of an opinion as Hunter Renfro being traded was. Everyone was saying that Hunter Renfro was going to be traded. Like that was just not, not a matter of if, but a matter of when I, I get less of that feeling when it comes to Wong in the industry. And so I'm really, gonna... I'm, I'm starting to get more of the feeling that it's a matter of when, not a matter of if with Wong. Uh, I, I'm, I'm starting to get there. You know, originally, like, you know, I didn't, you know, with everything he was saying, once they picked up the option, it's like, oh, this is a championship caliber player. Of like, of, of course we would pick it up. Of course we'd, we'd want to have him back. Like, okay, yeah, it sounds like they want to keep him. But as this has gone on, and I mean, you know, Buster only has pretty much been on this uh, from from the get go with with Renfro and and with Wong. Now, I mean. That like it, it's seemingly like all the teams like across the board, you know, in the industry are, are expecting Wong to be the next to go. That the Brewers are, are going to be shedding payroll, and I think we're at that point now with him where it's a matter of when and where, and not a matter of if. So it's it's unfortunate, I, I think, because I do like Wong, but I think he's I, I think he's a goner. Uh, I I think they're I think they're going to be moving on from him, giving it to the young guy in in Terang, saving the money. Um, and, and seeing what they can get for him, it's, I, I think we're at that point now it's, it's unfortunate. I hate that we're at that point, but that, that seems to be where we are from how I look at it. Yeah, I guess I'm not quite there yet. We'll see. Um, may, maybe if the chatter keeps going and gets louder, uh, then I'll get that feeling, but I, I I'm not, I, I'm not as down on thinking that he's going to be out as uh, some people are. So hopefully, hopefully I get to be right on this one. And um, yeah, because he's a very enjoyable player. Um, I'd like to see one more year of it. So hopefully he gets to stay. Yeah, but uh, it's trade rumors are coming hot and heavy. I mean, Renfro was, was out the door pretty quickly here. And, um, you know, we, we haven't even gotten to the winter meetings yet. So there's, there's a lot of off season left to come. A lot of decisions left to be made there, um, but from from the reports, it appears Wong may be next uh, on the trade block um, and and clearing the room. Um, but with with all this payroll shedding uh, that, that the Brewers have, you gotta spend it on something mm-hmm. because you you can't just cut the payroll like this and still expect to be contenders and expect to tell everyone that you expect to be contenders and have people believe it. Fans already don't believe it, that, that this team is trying to contend for next year uh, or, or, or in the future, that, that, that they are starting a rebuild. That, that's already where a lot of fans are uh, with, with all this payroll shedding, you know, starting with Renfro here and, you know, uh, Brent Suter being out the door Um you know, it, it just kind of seems like that's the path that they're taking. But either they have to spend this money, you know, if they trade Wong, they'll have shed $21 million from the payroll just with Wong and Renfro alone. Mm-hmm. You got to spend that money on something, whether yeah. it's a free agent or another trade acquisition that, that you're bringing in that you're maybe trading some prospects for or whatever. You have to spend it on something or you could spend it on contract extensions there we go. for your current players. And so we've had some bad news so far in this podcast. For, for the first half of this podcast, it's been kind of bad news. The Renfro trade, you know, Wong possibly being traded. Yeah. Not great news. You get but it out of the way here, early. Here is some good news. The Brewers have opened extension talks with Willie Adonis. Hey, yeah. let's, there we go. Finally, we are starting down that road. 
Uh, Willie Adamas confirmed this week to MLB.com's Adam McAlvey, friend of the podcast, Adam McAlvey. Uh, he confirmed that he has been having conversations uh, with the Brewers about a contract extension, about staying here in Milwaukee long term. Um, he's going to let his agents handle it, but he loves Milwaukee. He'd love to stay here uh, long term for the rest of his career. And uh, he he has success in Milwaukee. He'd love to stay, and hopefully they can figure it out. So, Matt, if they have to trade Renfro and Wong in order to extend Willie Adamas, will you be happy? Um, man, I, I already want them to extend Adamas just because they traded Renfro. Uh, <laughs> not going to lie. I know a lot of Renfro's salary is going to go towards arbitration raises, as is some of the other money they freed up. Um, if Wong were to go as well, they would bare minimum need to uh, extend, you extend somebody for me to be happy, um, let alone if they could fit two in the hair or one of the Corbin Burns. pictures. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, that was that Woodruff you said? No, obviously it was Corbin Burns. <laughs> Um, you know what I said. <laughs> yes, I, that would definitely lessen the sting of losing those two for sure. Um, because then you've got um, a guy, a fan favorite, uh, someone who's performed very well in the time that he's been in Milwaukee. You've got him locked up um, for the foreseeable future. And you get to see some of these young guys uh, play that you've been waiting to see in Bryce Terang in a Freelich and Mitchell or Ruiz or Weimer, whatever the rotation ends up being uh, amongst the center field and right field positions. Um, yes, that for me, that would definitely, um, I, I, emotions would turn around quite a bit if they're able to end up um, fitting an extension in there. But let's be honest, if, if they were to lose both, they damn well better get at least one extension done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely agreed. Um, they they got to get something done. Matt Arnold has signaled uh, a larger willingness uh, to to have these conversations about uh, extensions with these guys than, than David Stearns has, or at least publicly indicating a willingness. David Stearns was uh, famously uh, not talkative about his intentions uh, of anything. Uh, really. So, I mean, the, the rumors about the Christian Yelich extension didn't even come out until the deal was done. Uh, we had no idea that they were even talking about it um, until that point. So um, hopefully that that's what they're doing. Hopefully they've started on that path. Uh, we know during the season, uh, Corbin Burns said they had not approached him about an extension. Now, obviously, he is going to be the most expensive of the three uh, extension candidates that they have, Burns, Woodruff and Adamas. Um, you got to at least try, in my opinion, you know, I know the, the likelihood of an extension with Burns getting done is pretty small. Uh, I am, I am not blind to that fact, but you got to at least try see, see, you know, maybe something could happen. Um, but Adamus, uh, I think is probably the most likely mm. extension candidate of the three, uh, just because he is a high level shortstop mm-hmm. um, as, as a position player, position players, hitters are much safer extension bets. The Christian Yelch uh, extension, notwithstanding, hmm. um, you know, it's, it's not as much being invested, you know, just in uh, an arm. They're more likely to make it back from injuries if they occur. Um, whereas, you know, if pitchers suffer an injury to their throwing arm, uh, it can really devastate their careers uh, i.e. Jimmy Nelson. Um, so Adamus is more of a safer uh, extension candidate. Uh, he might be the cheapest of the three, and I say might be uh, because he's not going to be cheap. Um, and I'm not sure, I'm not even sure how much Brandon Woodruff would cost to extend or, or how much Adamus would, would even cost long term. But he's probably the, the most likely one that, that they would go towards. You get your high-end shortstop that they've really been searching for for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, when was the last time the Brewers had really a, an elite um, shortstop, you know, that, that, that they could run out there all the time? I mean, was J.J. Hardy elite back in the day? Um, right. You know, did, did he have that status? Did, 
I don't know if we have to go. Do we have to go all the way back to Robin Yount? Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Junieski Bentoncourt was not it. No, like, JT Hardy's <laughs> probably the best one in recent memory. Um, Jose Hernandez had actually his moments at times. He he's he's up there in some of the old. Uh, um, uh, if we're talking about Jose Hernandez in this conversation, that says all we need to know about the state of Brewers shortstops over the last 20 plus years. That says everything we need to know. I mean, but who are we leaving out since Robin Young? Like, and I'm not saying either JJ Hardy or Jose Hernandez is elite, by the way. Um, but I mean, like, who are, who are we forgetting that's like in it's somewhere in between Hardy and Hernandez and Robin Young, like, that's that goes to show what the shortstop position has been like. Let, let, me, let me bring up the Brewers yearly starters here. Okay, okay let's see. Shortstop, we got Dom. I mean, Orlando Arcia, he put up one season above two war. Um, you know, Arcia had all the hype, but wasn't able to do it. Gene Segura had one really good year in uh, yep. 2013. Um, did we have Cesar Asturis as our starting shortstop oh, in 2012? God. My God. Yeah, that was rough. Uh, Uni B. Um, Alcides Escobar. Yeah. Uh, in 2010. Yeah, JJ Hardy. Uh, 2007, 2008. Uh, had two back-to-back seasons above three WAR. Had a 4.8 B WAR in uh, 2008. Um, Bill Hall put up a a B WAR of 5.8 as a Brewer shortstop in 2006. Um. He was all over the diamond. That's the that's that was that was the year Hardy broke his ankle. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's uh. Otherwise, you're going back to uh, yeah, Jose Hernandez. Um, Jose Valentin had some decent seasons. Um. Yeah, that's oh, Jose Valentin might have actually been the one that I was thinking of, not Hernandez. Jose Hernandez had a four and a half B war in two thousand two. Oh, okay. He, he also, also, I think, was close to breaking the league record for most strikeouts in a that's season. That's what I was that gonna year. say. He also held so, the team uh, single season strikeout record for a while. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you're yeah the last season with a war. Oh my god. So in Robin Yount's uh, final season as a shortstop in uh, 1984 uh, as, as regular shortstop, he put up a 5.9 war. The next time a Brewer shortstop put up a single war, um, actually the Brewers have never put up a, a war by a shortstop better than that. Nope. The closest was Bill Hall with 5.8 in 2006. So Bill Hall was the last elite shortstop the Brewers had. <laughs> Yeah. And Bill Hall. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a pat, good pat. I've got that page up now. There's a good pat list dash year in there. Yeah. Yeah. There's your Jose Hernandez one. JJ Hardy. Cesar but but the point is the, the lack of consistency in, yeah. in the production here. You yeah. know, and, and I'm not saying, you know, Adams is going to be putting up, you know, six, seven war seasons, uh, but he had a three and a half war uh, in 2021. Almost four and a half in 2022, and that's even with his offensive regression uh, a little bit this year. So, I mean, he's the only guy who's put up back-to-back seasons of three and a half WAR or better since. Let's see. Since Hardy. Or wait, no. Uh, No, since Yount, because Hardy had a 3.2 in 2008, so it wasn't even three and a half. Um, But. Back-to-back wars of three or better, yeah, oh, that, that'd, that'd be that, J.J. That, Hardy. That's the part I missed. Got it. Yeah. But back-to-back of three-and-a-half war or better, you're going yeah. back to Robin Yount. Yep. That's how long it's been. Yeah. The Brewers, that says a I, lot about the Brewers franchise as well. <laughs> right. Yeah, that, well, that's also true. Um, a lot of light hitters and a lot of those lean years in general. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, they tried to make it work with Arcia for years, didn't happen. Um, and so they had to figure something else out and it appears as though they have, and it would be nice for that to be able to continue for some time. Hashtag so. extend Willie Adamas. 
Oh, wait, no. Hashtag no book bag. Um, yeah. So that is, um, that, that's the situation the Brewers are in. And yes, they would be wise to extend uh, Willie Adamas. Um, that is that is our analysis, and we are sticking to it. Yes. Moving on. <laughs> All right. So the Brewers have made a, a couple moves. We got to talk about these, uh, you know, minor moves or earlier moves from the week. The non-tenders, the non-tender deadline passed this past week. Last week's episode, we were going over, you know, some ideas on it, but we didn't know what they were going to do yet. Uh, and we said back then, it's like, oh no, I don't think they're going to non-tender Brent Suter. Well, they didn't, <laughs> but they ended up placing him on waivers instead, and he was claimed by the Colorado Rockies, who steal yet another Brewers pitcher off waivers after claiming to Nelson Lamette uh, back in August. Yes, I had to bring that up. Sorry yeah. about it, but uh, blame the Brewers front office. Uh, Brent Suter is gone. Matt, uh, it makes me sad uh, for the loss of the Jim Carrey impressions uh, makes me sad for the loss of the Raptor and the Jurassic Park theme song. Uh, our staff writer, uh, John, also known as Brent Suter's actual Raptor on Twitter, uh, was absolutely devastated uh, by the news. And it, it was it was just tough to see, Matt, because, I mean, we, we were both saying last week, Brent Suter, for him, for him in the in the clubhouse alone, his personality, his leadership, what he brings to that clubhouse alone is worth the $3 million. And clearly the Brewers didn't feel the same. No, they did not. Uh, I flat out said, I think it was on the pod, that um, the Brewers are not getting rid of Brent Suter. And now granted, I guess I was only considering it in a non-tender sense, uh, but I didn't think they would get rid of him at all for... Exactly that. I mean, it, it it it's a little concerning that I thought the entire reason they, they would not move on from him was that they had learned from the whole chemistry aspect of the, or lack of chemistry aspect, that resulted from the Josh Hader trade. And they said up and down afterwards and uh, after the season ended and press conferences that, you know, they maybe didn't take that into account as much as they should have. And it felt like they had learned their lesson. And now I question that a little bit because you've got rumors flying about Colton Wong, who's very good in the clubhouse. You have Suter gone. You have Hader gone. And it just seems like this is now just no longer a factor in their decision-making. And that's the part that bums me out the most about Brent Suter. If it were purely about the money, I would get it. That's a lot of money to pay a guy who is his age, who is likely only going to decline at this point. He's had solid years every year he's been in Milwaukee, basically, even last year, you know, it didn't look great at the beginning, but when things ended, um, you know, the numbers did end up looking okay. Um, but I get that that's still, you know, for $3 million plus, like, that's a lot to pay for a guy like that, um, who you've only got one more year out of. But it's just the whole clubhouse aspect of it that really bums me out to have him gone now. And... I don't know. I mean, again, like it's I, I have faith that they'll be good. And, you know, they've still obviously got a lot of the core guys still there. And so it's not like the, the clubhouse vibe is just going to be completely gone now. But he was a big part of it. And so, yeah, it just it makes me think that that's just not it, it's it's more business than it ever used to be with that front office. And I don't know, that's that's kind of a bummer. You know, baseball's fun. It's supposed to be fun. We watch it to have fun. Um, and the more fun players you have, the better. And so, yeah, it's just kind of a it's it's a bummer. Yeah, it, it really is. And I mean, you see, you know, some of the players reactions uh, on Instagram and, and on social media uh, and the players wives reaction, too. Cause, I mean, they, they might be a bit more open in expressing their feelings on it, uh, especially. Um, I noticed uh, Joni Woodruff, you know, Brandon Woodruff's wife, you know, posting about, 
um, you know, Brent Suter leaving and how, you know, she's going to miss, you know, obviously her friendship with Aaron, Brent's wife. Um, and I mean, their, their daughters, uh, their, their daughter, Kyler and her friendship with Brent's son, Liam. Um, and you know, like how, like these families are, are so close together, you know, throughout the season, you know, the wives and the kids and, um, you know, the, the players themselves, you know, and then, you know, the next day, uh, Hunter, you know, or a few days later, Hunter Renfro getting traded, you know, the Woodruffs were, were close with the Renfros, you know, that, I mean, they, Brandon Woodruff and Hunter Renfro went to college together. They, they play on the same team in Mississippi state together. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, they knew each other quite well. And then, you know, she's posting another farewell to, to Courtney Renfro and, you know, and they're getting like how she's just going to miss them. And it's just like, you know, it's, it's gotta be so tough for, for these families, for, for these people to, to just see, um, that their friends that, that they've gotten to know, you know, over the, over the course of a season or, or a couple of seasons, um, to, to just kind of be, uh, traded away or, or just kind of let go on waivers like that. And, um, you know, that just kind of the impact it has on the, on the relationships that they have. And, you know, then it's like, okay, like now Brandon Woodruff has just kind of lost like two of his closest family friends. Um, would he be willing to stay, you know, with a contract extension now, you know, how much does that impact those guys? I'm not, I'm not saying it does. I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm just wondering how much would that impact a a potential willingness to sign an extension? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the non-business parts that it, it seems like need to be considered as well that are now like right like can you base every single business decision on whether you know the families of the players are friends no obviously yeah, not obviously but, i'm not uh, saying that either right but it just it, it yeah it, it's disappointing to kind of start getting more and more of the feeling that it's not being none of that's being taken into consideration at all maybe it is but just by some of the moves that have happened and moves that keep happening, it feels like it isn't. That's the feeling mm-hmm. inside. And I, I don't know. That's that. It, that's it all. It, it all stems back to the hater trade, really. Yes. Um, with because I mean, if this had happened, like say Josh Hader was still here, and that they end up trading Hunter Renfro, or they end up letting Brent Suter walk, uh, or, or whatever else. You know, would it feel like, you know, they, they don't care about uh, the, the clubhouse chemistry or culture by, by getting rid of those guys? Not really, or at least not as much as, as it does right now because of what happened with Josh Hader and, and how that whole thing went down. And I think you're still at that point where you need to build that trust back up. Um, they Again, like, like you mentioned earlier, Matt. They said that they recognized the the mistake that they made and and you know we're going to be learning from it and at least on the surface right now it doesn't appear that they are uh, learning from it so we'll see um, we'll, we'll see kind of how how it impacts these guys going forward and, you know again it's easier to do these moves during the off season than during the season you know they still got a couple of months until they you know get back to to spring training. Uh, things will probably, you know, they'll have calmed down and settled down by then. Um, and, you know, perhaps more perspective will be gained either by the players or, or the or the front office. And, you know, other moves will be made and like, OK, like things will be fine. But, yeah, it's just kind of tough to, to watch at the moment. But Brent Suter wasn't the only uh, pitcher to be departed with at the non-tender deadline. The Brewers decided to non-tender three players, Luis Perdomo. Trevor Gott and Jandel Gustave and Matt. None of these three guys were really surprises. Gott maybe the most surprising of the three, um, just because I mean he, they signed him on the first day of free agency last off season. He was pretty solid for most of the year. Kind of fell apart a little bit in the second half um, toward, towards the end of the year, but you know overall wasn't too bad. Um, wasn't set to make too much money, but you know, the Brewers are looking to kind of remake and, and reshape their bullpen. Um, we just talked about earlier, they brought in three new arms there and, uh, three arms out the door with, uh, got Perdomo and Gustave. Yep. And, uh, those last two Gustave and got, uh, uh, I'd had on the list of five that could end up being non-tendered. So, Gott was the one I felt the least confident about, but 
away he goes. Uh, Perdomo, I had actually considered for that piece too. I just thought he had a little bit less of a chance, um, potentially a little bit more potential. Um, but he ends up going too, and that's that, that's also not a you know a huge uh, loss really in the end um, either. Uh, but these guys are 29 years old for Perdomo, 30 years old for Gustave, and 30 years old for Gott. Uh, Perdomo, Perdomo is actually going to turn 30 um, before not too long either. So you end up, th- this is where, yeah, exactly. Like you, you, you look to get a little bit younger with the bullpen, some guys with a little bit more potential who can maybe stick around for more years um, and get increasingly better as opposed to, you know, once you hit your 30s, especially you know, as a reliever, like maybe a little bit less volatile than your actual like closer who those seem to be the ones who really can like just go at any moment. Uh, but relief pitchers can kind of too. And so it, it, to kind of like cycle through some guys and bring in some, you know, some fresh arms and younger arms, you saw the, uh, the Tyson Miller uh, acquisition, you bring him, him in, he's younger has more options, like, no, not a sexy move at all by any means. But you bring in a bunch of guys who, like, maybe a couple of those guys hit, and they become guys that you didn't expect. Surely no one expected Brent Suter, really, to kind of be the guy that he was. Like, I don't know that any... I think we all thought, hoped that he would do well, but, you know, when he first was hanging around, I don't know that I expected him to be as solid of a reliever for as many years as he ended up being relievers come out of nowhere all the time. So Mm -hmm. um, it it makes sense to kind of try and get a whole bunch of new guys in here and see which ones might actually end up doing something. And if that's at the expense of, you know, some 30 year olds, I get, I guess I get it. I could also see some of these guys particularly got, I could see him coming in on an even little bit cheaper deal. Cause I think he was what 1.4, he was projected, projected yeah. correctly. Um, yeah, so you bring him in maybe a little under 100 uh, or, or 1 million, I mean, um, or maybe right at or something like that. Save a tiny bit of money. You know, maybe they end up doing that. Maybe they sign him to a minor league deal. I don't know. You can do that with all kinds of these guys. Um, so, yeah, it, it's no, no big surprises, but it does keep with the theme of the bullpen needs to be better. So let's see what we can do to kind of change things. Yeah, so I mean they they're going to move those guys out and uh, bring some other guys in and yeah, not terribly surprised with with any of the decisions. I mean we knew with the non tenders, they they weren't going to be any like big uh, guys. I mean Brent Suter was was obviously the biggest one to go. I mean he was yeah. they put him through waivers first to see if any team was willing to pay him at his projected arbitration salary at just over three million dollars. The Rockies clearly were willing, so they ended up claiming him, and the Brewers could not uh, take him back afterwards. Because I, I think if no one was willing to claim him, he was going to end up being non-tendered anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, they were like, hey, look, no one's willing to pay you this price, um, so we're going to non-tender you at this price and try to bring you back, you know, maybe on a on a cheaper deal or, or whatever else. But he ends up going to Colorado and three other guys to part along with. So that saves about $6 million in, in salary projections from those four guys heading out. Uh, plus the $11 million you saved with Renfro heading out the door. And, you know, you're looking at some, some good money saved. But a new face did come in. Javi Guerra mm-hmm. uh, was acquired in a trade right at the same time there at the uh, – at the deadline, he was DFA'd the day before or a few days before uh, by the Tampa Bay Rays because they had a huge 40-man roster crunch. Uh, so the Brewers acquired Guerra, Javi Guerra, for a player to be named later. Um, I'm assuming that's probably going to be a Rule 5 eligible prospect, um, and they'll see if he gets drafted uh, here in the Rule 5. And if not, they could just trade him uh, as, as, as a player to be named. Uh, similar to what they did with uh, Corey Knable a couple years ago. That's what I can envision. Javi Guerra, 27 years old, uh, has just over two years of service time, no minor league options remaining. Um, that is going to be key. So he is going to have to make the Brewers roster out of camp, uh, or he is going to be outrighted off the 40-man. Uh, Matt, kind of a minor move, but uh, gives gives you another option for that bullpen. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, right-hander, so kind of can maybe replace some of those right-handers that um, ended up going. Um, a lively arm, if I remember correctly. Uh, he mm-hmm. does have some velocity, right? Yes. Um, so you get a little bit of power there. Um, was a pitched 17 games for the Rays last year. Was a 338. Um, so that is solid. Um, even though he's a lively arm, he doesn't necessarily have a huge strikeout rate. Um, he was only 5.1 uh, strikeouts per nine last year, and that is uh, definitely not high. Um, so, you know, you'd like to see Especially that. Especially for a bit. guy who averages 98.6 miles an hour on his fastball. Right. But he's also a, um, you know, he's only, he hasn't been pitching for very long. Um, originally a shortstop, now a pitcher. So, um, you know, maybe he's still feeling some things out. Maybe maybe the Brewers saw a little bit of uh, uh, Lucas Ersig in him. Who knows? Um, you know, saw that like, hey, um, we've got some experience with, uh, you know, converting a guy from position player to short uh, to pitcher, and it went pretty well. Maybe we feel like we can kind of do that also here um, and kind of keep that going and see if we have something. Um, but you're right. The fact that he doesn't have any minor league options means low margin for error. Um, he's got to work out from the start. If he doesn't, then he'll be gone. Um, so we'll see what kind of happens there. But just yet another arm in the mix. Yeah. So it'll be, you know, throw him in the pitching lab as well. The Brewers pitching lab is going to be busy this offseason. Yeah. That much is uh, is for sure. Very busy in spring training. Uh, I believe Guerra is playing in winter ball uh, right now. Um, I think in either the Dominican Republic or uh, Venezuela or something like that. Uh, but I think he's playing winter ball. So, you know, he's going to get his uh, his reps in down there and then probably show up at spring training, throw him in the lab, uh, see what you can do, see what changes he's made uh, in winter ball and, and where he's coming at uh, to start the season. Ooh. But it gets what? you another option. So you, so you got kind of a whole changeover there in the bullpen. I've got an update. Uh, he is playing in Dominican Winter League with Escogido. Escogidos uh, de, de Gigantes? That's them. Uh, yes. He's thrown nine innings, given up three hits, nary a run, um, mm. so all scoreless, um, seven strikeouts, one walk. So, there we go. Yeah. That's what we like to see. That's, a, that's a good start for Escogidos de Gigantes. Yes. I like I may I may be butchering that. You might be. That's but uh, the confidence while saying it is key. That is sure. that that is the important part. Right. So I like Tigris Delise because it's easy to say. I, yes. I, I like when our players end up there. Yes, absolutely. So that's kind of the been the big news of the week. But of course, how could we? Forget we have to talk about this in the, in the final few minutes of the pod here. The blockbuster <laughs> free agent signing of Blake Perkins. If you don't know who Blake Perkins is, I don't blame you. Neither did I. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's an outfielder uh, apparently that made thir- that made it up to AAA for 30 games uh, this year. Has not made his major league debut yet. The Brewers signed him to a major league contract. Uh, he is on the 40-man roster. Uh, he backfills the outfield with the departure of Hunter Renfro. So Hunter Renfro, Matt, is currently being replaced on the 40-man with Blake Perkins. Um, yep. Technically, Matt, sure. I'm speechless. <laughs> I can see that. Um, yeah, it's just it's one of those simple depth moves, not a. Not a literal replacement, but well, he is a literal replacement on the rot on the forty man for Renfro, but will not be, you know, is isn't their grand plan to replace him in the lineup? We'll say no, that. that's um, Joey Weimer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's basically the same guy, but younger. Um, Blake Perkins, uh, twenty, what I say, six years old, I believe. Yep. Um, the 69th overall pick. Nice. In the nice. 2015 draft by the Nationals, he's bounced between a couple different teams. He was traded to the Royals in the uh, Kelvin Herrera trade, um, was picked up after that as a free agent by the Yankees, played there for one year. Um, defense speed guy, 
not necessarily a power guy, although he did take a step forward in that with 15 homers last year. Uh, that was uh, about 50% uh, jump from his total of his entire six-year minor league career before that. So you know, add a little bit of pop, so that's kind of nice to see. Um, to me, it's literally, it's just nice probably for the team to have a guy who's got who's a little bit more experienced in the minor leagues to throw into the mix in the outfield just in case some of these young prospects aren't quite ready for the big show. Because we're looking at next year as fans and we're saying, oh, yeah, it's going to be the year of Garrett Mitchell and Asturi Ruiz and Sal Freelich and eventually Joey Weimer and, you know, all these guys, it's the future and everything's going to be fine and dandy. But, like, sometimes they're not ready. Like, that happens. Mm -hmm. They've all been in, with the exception of Ruiz, who's been around a little bit longer, like, they've all had such short careers so far professionally. Perkins has at least been around a little bit. So, you know, to have him in the mix and maybe have someone who, if the other guys aren't ready, maybe you do have Perkins on the roster and you feel a little, you you don't feel as bad if he's not working out because, like, he's not your, you know, full-on future. Or... Maybe he ends up being all right and, you know, winning some playing time. That would be cool, too. Um, but, you know, it's just it's just the depth just in case piece to me. Uh, probably a guy that they've had their eye on for a little bit and thought, like, if he ever becomes available, maybe we'll, you know, give him a flyer. I do think that this <laughs> really spells the end for Tyrone Taylor, because why do you go out and get a guy like him when you've already got a player like Tyrone Taylor to be that kind of bridge to some of the younger guys until they're and you already have four other guys that are right there yeah so i i I, we i think we already had agreed a long time ago that uh tyrone taylor's time with the team wow that was uh, a lot of tease uh was (laughs) probably short-lived um but now it definitely feels that way so Yeah. yeah just just a little extra depth that's really all it is yeah, although the trade of Renfro perhaps means, you know, Taylor may stick around at least for uh, a, a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, you're, you're kind of at that point. Taylor, you know, is a fourth outfielder. Uh, if Perkins gets any meaningful playing time for the Brewers this season, something will have gone seriously wrong, Yeah, in my opinion. Like, like this, this dude should not be getting much playing time at, at the big league level. Um, if... I highly doubt they're going to call upon him over someone like Sal Freelich, over someone like Asteri Ruiz, over someone like Garrett Mitchell, over someone like Joey Weimer, even. Um, I, I just I just don't see him being that guy. I see him being more of a of a Tim Lopes kind of guy, like a guy that they picked up, you know, thinking, oh, maybe he could, you know, be something. He could do, you know, do whatever yeah. like this if he gets a chance and. He ends up never getting a chance and, and just kind of stays stashed in AAA. Um, so, like, that that's what I'd envision more. Um, a Pablo and, Reyes without the pedigree. Yeah, an outfield Pablo Reyes without any pedigree. Uh, that's essentially <laughs> what you're looking at. Um, yeah, so it, it's not a, a sexy signing. It's not a signing that's... Um, probably going to have too much impact at the big league level. Um, it's just, uh, it's a guy that's going to occupy a 40 man roster spot for a while, probably, but he's going to be on the fringe of the 40 man. Um, maybe he'll get bumped the first chance they they can, but he does have three options. Um, so they, they can stash him down there for a while, I guess, uh, until they need him. but I don't see him having any sort of future uh in milwaukee there is the possibility too i know things have changed with the collective bargaining agreement there is the possibility that this allows them to play the service time game um because freelick and weimer are not on the 40 man yet um this can delay you a little bit i i I still think uh freelick ends up being added and ends up making that opening day roster but same you know if they choose not to, that Weimer, I don't think, will be on it right away. So at the very least, no. it it gives you an extra outfielder before he's ready to go. Um, yeah. But yeah. I, 
Perkins is probably at best. Um, if Freelich can't show that he's ready for the big leagues in spring training, if for whatever reason he stops hitting in spring training and just isn't able to, to show that he's worthy of a spot, right. uh, then they'd have some insurance with Perkins. Yes, um, insurance. There's the word. There it is. Um, that's probably at best. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even sure how much Perkins would really be insurance over someone like, uh, Freelich considering, uh, Freelich does have more experience at AAA than Perkins does, but. Well, this is like, this is like getting the general insurance instead of like high quality American family insurance, you know, (laughs) something like that. Shaq does those commercials for, for the general. <laughs> Shaq does for, a lot of for, commercials for, for a great, lot of low rate. You can get online. No. <laughs> Go to the general and save some time. No, no, no. We if we're going to do the whole tagline, they got to pay us first. <laughs> so we we kind of just advertised for two different companies. We we need to send this in and uh, uh, get some royalties. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, before we get into any more legal trouble, uh, <laughs> we're going to we're going to cut it here. Um, so sorry, you're going to have to go back to your families um, at yeah, Thanksgiving yeah. here. Uh, but be sure to grab yourself a slice of the pumpkin pie or apple pie, wh- whichever pie is your favorite. And go beer. get the slice of pie or the beer. Absolutely. Go go get a cold brewed beer after listening to the cold brew podcast. So. That'll do it for us. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Um, enjoy the rest of the time with your families as you can. And try to enjoy as much of the rest of the offseason uh, as you can. I know we're not off to a hot start. But uh, we'll have plenty more coming up. There will be plenty more moves made. And we'll have more coming up on the Cold Brew Podcast and on ReviewingBrew.com. Always be sure to check it out every single day. New stuff coming up all the time. Uh, that'll do it for us. Thank you for listening. This has been the Cold Brew Podcast.